Welcome to Killian Baptist Church's podcast. My name is Pastor Chris Reynolds, the lead pastor of Killian Baptist Church in Columbia, South Carolina. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. Our desire at Killian Baptist Church is to be disciples of Christ who go out with the gospel that others might enter into a relationship with God. God bless you as you listen, and please consider subscribing so you can tune in every week. We're in Galatians 6, in chapter numbers, uh, Galatians 6, and we're going to be in verse number 1. So if you're physically able this morning, will you please stand for the reading of God's holy, inspired, infallible, and inerrant word from the book of Galatians in chapter 6 and verse number 1. The Apostle Paul is talking to the church in Galatia, and he says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. Verse number two, carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let each person examine his own work, and then he can take pride in himself alone and not compare himself with someone else. For each person will have to carry his own load. Verse number six, let the, other one, let the one who is taught the word share with all the good things with the teacher. Verse number seven, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap. Because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. But the one who sows to the spirit will reap eternal life from the spirit. Let us not get tired of doing good. For we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. And verse number 10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work together for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. May God bless the reading and the proclamation of his word. And may I preach as though never to preach again as a dying man to dying men. You may be seated. Do you know what happens if you take two young children and you give each a stick and you put them in the backyard together? Do you know what happens? They begin to fight with each other. They have a sword fight together. Do you know what happens if you give two young people unlimited resources and complete access to a clothing store? Do you know what takes place? They're going to spend all the money that they can, but they're going to buy the nicest stuff in there. They're going to look the nicest that they could possibly look by their own definition. Do you know what happens if you give two grown men each an SEC football team and a football field? Do you know what happens? They battle one another, right? There's an ongoing fight that's going to take place there. Well, what happens when you give two successful adults the possibility to become the leader of the free world? Well, they become like the two children in the backyard, except they're fighting with very expensive sticks. You know what? It's in our nature and a part of our fallen human nature that we desire to rule over one another. We have this innate desire inside all of us 
that says, I want to rule over another person or over another group of people. It's the reason why that conflict begins, why there's, why there's competition between others, because somebody wants to be the fastest, somebody wants to be the strongest, somebody wants to be the best well-dressed, somebody wants to be the most eloquent speaker, they want to be the best performer. And he said, well, I don't, I don't exactly believe that's the case. Well, let me ask you this question. How many of you, and I want you to raise your hand, how many of you in this room have ever had the thought at any point in time in your life, things would be better if I was in charge? Anybody had that thought before? Things would be better if I was in charge. For those of you that did not raise your hand, I'm sure you probably couldn't hear me. You know what? This comes from a deep-rooted inclination to rule over one another. A deep-rooted inclination, and that desire to rule over one another at a fundamental level is a me-centric mentality. It's a me-focused mentality. It's one that says, I can do better, or I am better, therefore I should be in charge, therefore I should call the shots. The problem is, is everybody has that same inclination. And this me-centric mentality, it comes forth from our fallen sinful nature that we inherited from Adam and Eve. And it started when Eve said, I know better than God. And so we begin to see it carry throughout the ages. And so in this passage of Scripture, the Apostle Paul is saying, this is not how Christ followers are to behave. In fact, he gives us a complete different contrast. He says, carry one another's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry one another's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? The law of Christ is the law of love, though seeking to model the attitude and the action of Christ. He says, carry one another's burdens. Christian relationships are not supposed to be rival, shouldn't, shouldn't be gar- governed by rivalry. It shouldn't be governed by, by conflict, seeking to rule over one another. Instead, our relationships as Christ followers, even among one another, and whenever it comes to the world outside the four walls of the church, is supposed to be governed by service to one another. See, those include us in here and those out there. The Apostle Paul is pushing back on this cultural idea that has taken root in humanity. And it was happening there just as much as it was happening here. Because what was going on is that the believers in Paul's day and age, they were adding more weight, a crushing weight to the people that were seeking to follow after Christ. They were adding condemnation and they were ridiculing whenever people began to fail and they would, they would put more on them instead of building one another up. And the Apostle Paul is pushing back on this. And we see that that's what he's doing because we see in the passage, in verse number 1, he gives us a hypothetical. A hypothetical of a believer, someone that's put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, who is tripped up and they fall into sin. You see, he uses the word overtaken in any wrongdoing. He's using this word, overtaken, in order to convey an idea that this is not an action of defiant disobedience. 
This is the action of a person who is in the pursuit of following after Christ and has fallen into a sinful way of thinking. You said, well, how does that, how does that happen? How does that take place? Well, I've used the illustration a couple of times in my conversations over the past couple of weeks, and I think it's a profitable one. And it's this idea of, as Christ followers, we're in a continual pursuit of becoming like Christ. And so as Christ followers, we're seeking to follow and keep our eyes focused upon him. But here's the problem. We're fighting and battling with a sin nature. We're constantly fighting against our inclination to, to go to an extreme, to do our own thing, to go our own direction. And so as we seek, if we would use this chair as an illustration, as we seek to keep our eyes on Christ and keep the focus on him, and we begin to pursue after him, we are constantly kind of going back and forth. How many of you ever gone to a bowling alley with a four-year-old? Anybody? What do they put in the gutters in, in the bowling alley? They put these bumpers. So when a, 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 a four-year-old throws the, the ball down the gutter, it constantly is bouncing back and forth, back and forth. And you're just praying that it goes into the pins at some point, some five, ten minutes from now, hopefully. And that's what it's like to walk as an ongoing relationship with Christ. Because as we seek to follow him, this is what we find ourselves doing. I'm going to keep my eyes on Christ. I'm going to keep my eyes on Christ. I'm going to keep my eyes on Christ. I'm going to keep my eyes. And I begin to get distracted. And I find myself over here moving to an extreme of some sort. Maybe it's serving in a local church. And all of a sudden, I made my Christian faith about serving instead of about keeping my eyes on Christ. And now I begin to evaluate my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and say, if you're not doing this, 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 and this, and what I'm doing, then you're sinful. Well, that's not what the Bible says. That's not what God says. It's gospel. That's how we're right with Christ. And so as I begin to recognize that, I have to turn and adjust my perspective and say, okay, I was wrong about that. I need to pursue this way. But then I find myself on this extreme over here to where now it's a, well, you don't have to do anything. You can just sit around on your, your, your holy high horse and point at other people and say, I'm just trusting in Jesus. I'm going to do whatever it is I want to do. But now I'm at this extreme over here. And so we continue to go back and forth. And this is the idea that the Apostle Paul is seeking to convey. There's an individual that's been overtaken by sin. In other words, as they've been pursuing Christ, they've entered into a practice or a way of life that is not growing them. And, and he's trying to give encouragement to the other believers and how we are to respond to that. And so he gives us this hypothetical. So what does a traditional religious person do? What does the individual do that is me-centric in their mentality? Do they help them up? Do they pick them up and say, yeah, you jacked stuff up by doing that, but it's going to be okay. We're going we're gonna to brush you off. I'll help you. Let's talk about how you got here and what happened and what took place. No, a me-centric individual, a me-centric mentality-focused individual, they don't say that. They begin to say, uh-uh, look. Look what they did. They messed up. I knew, I knew that they had, they had started off too strong, and they were, they were running too fast. And I knew that all the good things that they were going to do and all the, all the best inclinations, I knew it was going to end up like that. Now, a, a, a legalistic person that's me-centric, they're more concerned about um, making sure that their faith is checking all the boxes than asking about the gospel checking their heart and examining what's really going on in here. 
They say, let's say, uh, they'll gather people together and they'll say, oh, let's pray for them. But it's really an attitude of, thank goodness I'm not like this sinner. I'm not like this person. You say, well, pastor, that's, that's not really the, that can't be how people act. Well, let me ask you this question. I don't want you to answer out loud. Have you ever had a desire to see someone fail? Believer or non-believer? There is a desire inside of you to see another individual fail and fall on their face. Maybe it's a lost person. Maybe it's someone that's saved. If it's someone in the context of the church, maybe there's a, a little bit of pleasure whenever they hit the wrong note whenever they're singing or humiliate themselves because they say the wrong thing or they do the wrong thing. Or maybe, maybe there's a little bit of pleasure whenever you see the ministry initiative that they've been working and been a part of fall flat on its face. Or maybe it's the lost person that they've been living a certain way and you see them, their actions finally catch up to them and there's a little bit of joy that exists inside of you by watching them get their just desserts. If that's your mentality or if you've ever had that mentality, the Apostle Paul is talking to you. He's talking to us. That's a me-centric mentality that desires things to go poorly for someone else in their life so that we can look or feel better about our lives. And that is destructive. That is a destructive mentality in the church. In the Apostle Paul, that's why he's warning against it. He says, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit. Watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. When you see them fall, you should be coming along beside them and say, we're all broken. We've all made mistakes. Let's get up. Let's do this together. Yeah, I understand. You made a mistake. I understand you messed up. I understand you found yourself in this situation. But I'm here beside you. I want to support you. I want to encourage you. And let me tell you, if you're dealing with someone that's lost and in need of a relationship with Jesus Christ, when they fall on their face and, 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 and by everybody else's standard, they've gotten their just desserts, you coming along beside them and saying, hey, we've all experienced brokenness in our life. And let me tell you about how brokenness has affected me and how Jesus helped bring healing to that brokenness. That is a testimony to the love and the, 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 the work of Christ that has been taking place in your heart. And that is redemptive. That is a we mentality and not a me mentality see an individual that has a me mentality they aren't asking god to reveal the wickedness of their own heart instead they're pointing out the wickedness in other people a person with a we mentality says god i want you to examine my heart to see if there be any wicked way in me if that sounds familiar it's because it's from a passage of scripture in the bible and help me to see the burdens of my, my own sinfulness, my own weakness, that when I look upon my fellow brothers and sisters or people that are existing in the world, I would see their sin through your eyes of grace and the fact that you sent your son to the cross for, their, for them just as much as you sent your son to the cross for me. And give me an opportunity, God, to minister to them where they're at. See, this is the idea of this passage of Scripture when he says, bear one another's burdens. He says in verse number two, carry one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. 
The Apostle Paul is pushing back against this idea of being a snob and looking down your nose at all of the wicked people that are existing around you. And by wicked people, I mean those whom you are deeming as less wicked than you. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, no, no, that's not the practice. If you consider yourself to be something when you are nothing, then you are deceiving yourself because the same sin that you struggle with, somebody else is dealing with a similar sin or they're dealing with their own sin in their own way and they need the redemptive work of Christ just the same as you. Verse number four, he says, each person, let each person examine his work and then he can take pride in himself alone and not compare himself with someone else. A lot of people will ask the question, how does this work out? Because verse number two and verse number five seem to be a contradiction. When the Apostle Paul says, carry one another's burdens, and then he says, for each person will have to carry his own load. But it's not a contradiction because he's using two different Greek words. He said, oh, Greek, don't fall asleep, okay? Stay with me. The first one is talking about a weight that's not bearable by one individual. It is an overwhelming load. And so we were to carry the burdens and assist in carrying the burdens of one another. Those overwhelming loads that come up, those things that happen in life. In verse number five, he's referring to something that we would equate to sort of like a soldier's pack. The idea is this. In life, God has given you a work and a calling. In order to share the good news of the gospel in the context in which he has placed you. And he's given you the responsibility to do that. He's given you the calling as a Christ follower to do the work of the ministry where you are at. But then there are going to be times and periods in life to where you look over at a brother or sister in Christ or someone else and you see that they're under a crushing weight in their life. Maybe there's been difficulty. Maybe there's been hardship. Maybe they're dealing with family issues and to where you're able to come along and help bear some of the burdens that they're facing. And the reason why we do that is because we're the body of Christ. And we seek to encourage one another in that way. See, solo living, it will leave us weak, and it will leave us comparing ourselves to others in order to justify our own sinfulness. No, but Christian community, it encourages us to carry one another's burdens. It encourages us to, to, to help one another along and to show people grace and mercy with those that are struggling underneath the heavy loads. What I want us to grasp deep down is that we're going to find ourselves, we're going to find ourselves in both places at some point in time in our life. To where we see the burden that someone else is under, and we can help, and then there are going to be times to where we are under a burden in which we need help. We need encouragement. The Apostle Paul goes on to say, he says, do not be deceived. God is is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap. Because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. See, the Apostle Paul is pointing out that our heart motivation for why we do what we do is absolutely important. The heart motivation for why we do what we do is absolutely essential. And the things that, that we sow in this life, it's not just merely about doing the good deeds. It's about the motivation behind why we do what we do. 
if the only purpose for our service within the context of the church is to bring pleasure to ourselves, then we need to stop doing it. You say, well, that's awfully bold of you to say. But it's the truth. The purpose of our service within the context of the church and in the ministry in which God has called us to do the work of the ministry in should be service that we are doing to the glory of God. Because we want to seek to make much of his name. We want him to be glorified in our life. We want him to be magnified with our life. And we should desire others to do the same. That's the reason why the Apostle Paul says, those that sow in spirit will reap eternal life from the spirit because it is the spirit motivated service and seeking to encourage one another for the purpose of uh, 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 building up the body of Christ that makes the difference see the me-centric mentality will help others absolutely and we've seen that time and time again but they will help others if it helps us look good Sure, I'll help you change your tire as long as people can see me doing it. Look at me, I'm serving. Hey, see me over here serving? Sure, I don't mind sharing the gospel with someone else as long as someone can see me doing it. But no, you want me to build an ongoing relationship with an unbeliever and seek to minister to them and walk with them and talk with them and an ongoing dialogue between them, get to know them, care about them, minister to them over a prolonged period of time. I don't want to do any of that stuff. That's messy. And yet that's exactly what Jesus Christ did. But a we mentality says, I want to help and I don't care to get any of the credit. I want God's glory to be made known in the world. I want to make much of him. In closing, the Apostle Paul lays out in verses 9 and 10, he says, let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. You know what? I was kind of frustrated, the Apostle Paul, with that last line. He says, therefore, as we have good as we have opportunity let us work for the good of all the reason why i was frustrated was because the good of all means everyone so wait a second you want me to serve for the good of all those outside of the context of the church people that are not like me that's not comfortable paul i don't like that idea now this last one is fine especially those that belong to the household of faith but the other one, that one's a little bit more difficult because those people aren't like me. Those people don't talk like me. They don't live like me. They don't behave like me. They don't think like me. They're a Democrat. They're a Republican. They're a Libertarian. They're a, they're a whatever. But the Apostle Paul says, let us work for the good of all. This work that he is talking about is the work that Christ calls us to. The work that Christ calls us to is the spread of the gospel, the spread of his glorious name in the context in which we live, in which we exist. Therefore, he is encouraging us to engage with the world around us and doing the work that he has called us to do in the sharing his love. We as a body of believers 
have made the commitment that we are going to gather together to worship God, to love God, to, get, to, to grow together in our love of God and our love of others, and then serve together that others might enter into a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And so as we, the body, seek to do this, we seek opportunities to work for the good of all. And then the encouragement, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. That means working for those brothers and sisters in Christ that maybe you have a hard time with. Those that you have difficulty with. Your desire is to see them grow. You desire to come and bear their burdens as well. You desire to use the gospel to minister to their souls also. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you say, you know what? I don't want to minister to people that I don't like. I don't want to engage with people that aren't like me. I don't want to interact with people that don't look like me, that don't talk like me, that don't listen to the same music I listen to. I don't want to do good for those people. And all I've got to say is I'm so glad that Jesus didn't have that attitude about us. When he was sitting in heaven, perfectly content, in a world of perfection where nothing was going awry and nothing was going wrong, and in, in his space there in heaven, he chose, while we were yet sinners, to come down to earth and die on a cross. He didn't have a me-centric mentality that said, it's all about me. He had a we-centric, and he said, I want to bring glory and honor to God, and I, because I love the people that are there on earth, I'm going to come and give myself for them. I'm going to step into their mess and their nastiness and their fighting and their, 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 their rebellion against me. I'm going to step in and I'm going to pay the ultimate sacrifice on their behalf. I'm so glad that he didn't have the attitude, well, I don't like those people because they're not like me. Church family, as we flip the me to we mentality, we should be encouraged to bear one another's burdens because in doing so, we build up the body of Christ. We should be encouraged to bear one another's burdens because not only are we seeking to, um, seeking to make much of his name in this short time period, but we want to see much made of his name for generations to come. In order for that to happen, we've got to lay aside those things that have been holding us back and keeping us from engaging in the gospel call. And we must begin to embrace the gospel call and say, God, I want you to be made much of, regardless of the cost to me. Let's go to our Lord and Savior in prayer. Don't we pray?